0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Walk Show Podcast, where we talk about the walk of life. This is your host, Walker Near. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, As always, the music for today's show is provided by Misha Zarin, so thank you very much, Misha, for providing that. Uh, I also would like to invite you to check out my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is co-hosted by myself and Brett Lindley. Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about video games, uh, but instead of just tackling news and reviews or current events... We try and look at why gaming matters and talk about it from the significance of in our personal lives it's had to the way that it's affected society and culture at large. Um, So if you enjoy long form conversations and and kind of, you know, thoughtful conversations like you get here on The Walk Show, then I highly recommend that you check out uh, Pick Up Your Sticks, which can be found anywhere where podcasts are available. I also would like to take a moment to shout out the Ozarks Food Harvest. Ozarks Food Harvest is a food bank here in the southwest Missouri area. Um, whether or not, If you live in southwest Missouri, then you should definitely contact Ozarks Food Harvest and find out how you can donate or volunteer. However, if you instead live somewhere other than southwest Missouri, I cannot encourage you enough to find your local food bank and, and do the same there. Um, food insecurity is a real thing. It's something that that impacts a lot of people, and, and, and especially children, and I think we can do a lot to stop that. Uh, Ozark's food harvest here in southwest Missouri is where you go for that. On today's episode, I share a couple of different thoughts. I've got thoughts on uh, a recent um, federal budget, <laughs> which probably sounds very boring, and um, However, in the recent federal budget, there were proposed cuts to uh, federal public media. And as someone who grew up on Sesame Street and still consumes NPR to this day, I just feel pretty strongly about that. So I wanted to get my thoughts out there on that and uh, help you understand how you can take a stand to, to save uh, public media funding as well. And then I talk about a television show that I've been really enjoying called The Expanse which uh, probably all of you have heard of since I'm now watching it. Uh, Either way, without further ado, let's get on with the episode. For those of you that have listened to The Walk Show for uh, any amount of time, you'll I think agree with me that I've tried to remain um, pretty objective when it comes to politics. Um, now, that's not because I don't have a political position. And, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I haven't been. <laughs> maybe I haven't been neutral. And it, it hasn't really necessarily been my goal to be neutral. However, I do think that um, two things are true. I think that sensationalism is rampant in the media and so I think that it is easy to rush to judgment about things because the media sensationalizes stuff so much um I mean not related to politics or anything at all but case in point I was just reading something about the NBA where There's a player named Kyrie Irving who used to play for the Celtics, and now he doesn't. He plays for the Brooklyn Nets. And another player who used to play for the Celtics a decade ago, (laughs) literally. Um, So it's not like he's a current player. This other guy, Kendrick Perkins, said, anytime I hear Kyrie Irving's name, it makes me want to throw up because he didn't want to play for the Celtics. Really? Like... If you're really so weak and so soft that hearing another person wants to do something that wouldn't be your preference, like (laughs) I want to say that that makes me sick to my stomach, but then I'm actually just contributing to the bandwagon sensationalism that is nonsensical and and pointless. Um, It's just a, a perfect case in point, though, of that's the problem, is that everyone explains stuff in those kinds of terms. Um, I was watching, I, the other day I watched some other basketball highlight, and the announcer said they literally left everything on the floor. But they didn't, because they, they, didn't, they didn't leave anything on the floor, except maybe their effort. And if you want to say that they tried as hard as they could, that's fine. But the language that we use is so hyperbolic constantly. Everything is so dramatic, and the problem is, is that it makes it hard to understand when something actually does matter or when something actually is dramatic. So, point one for why I try not to to go on long uh, political tirades or or take really strong strong political political stances is that I think that sensationalism is real and i don't want to contribute to the sensationalism because i i hate it (laughs) i hate the sensationalism and i think that there's um i think that there's legitimate valid points to be made about all sides of the political spectrum um unfortunately, I don't think that only one side or the other is evil and corrupt, right? I don't know that either side is necessarily evil. I think all sides are definitely corrupt because there's too much money in politics. Um, And so, so the sensationalism sensationalism is there. And the other thing that's there is that there is an enormous amount of political coverage. And I don't actually care about politics enough to spend my time doing deep-dive research on it, uh, especially not on a week-over-week basis, to be able to feel confident that I have an informed political position to to share with you. And if you want that, man, there's a lot of choices out there, right? There's already so many other podcasts, radio shows, news shows, TV shows, articles, blogs, (laughs) zines, just... I, probably chain emails, I mean, literally anything you can think of, um, if you wanted to to hear about or talk about or think about or whatever politics, uh, it's out there. And so am I, what am I really adding to that conversation? You know, and, and the answer is, I don't think much. Um, I say all that, <laughs> as, as those of you know me as one large preface, um, to preface that I do think that something does uh, uh, demand, um, require attention from all people. And I don't think that this should be a political thing. Um, So the Trump administration has released their newest budget proposal. And yet again, uh, for what I understand, the fourth consecutive time, they have proposed eliminating the federal funding for public media. Um, The easiest examples of things like of this would be things like NPR or PBS. Um, And I cannot stress enough how important I think both of those things are, how important I think public media is and both of those things being PBS and NPR. Um, PBS has some really great some really great stuff, whether it be sometimes they actually have good like drama programming, you know, like actual (laughs) what you'd expect from from network or cable television. Um, But what PBS also has pretty consistently is they have some really great documentary series, Uh, all the stuff from Ken Burns, that's all in association with with PBS. Um, And the other thing that PBS has that that ties directly into my initial point, Is they have the PBS NewsHour and the PBS NewsHour is I have to say my favorite news reporting show Um, and the reason for that is because they try so hard to not be sensational now that doesn't mean that the people are robots or that no one ever has any sort of tone of voice or anything like that of course they do but they really strive to go out of their way and j- to just presenting facts and to just saying here's what's happening and here's maybe some context for how to compare that to other things that have happened but it's not the msnbc crowd that just you know exclusively bashes the the current president and administration and it's not the fox news crowd that exclusively acts like he is the you know, the greatest king that we've ever had. And I know he's president, but you wouldn't know it from, from listening to them, right? I've actually thought about doing a segment, which I still may, where I just simply provide news stories and the same exact news story and a headline from the left and a headline from the right. Cause I don't know if people who find themselves attracted to one side or the other understand how significant the discrepancies are. And you know, whichever, whichever thing you prefer, fine. But they can't all be accurate, right? You can't, you can't have it both ways where, where A is true and B is true, right? Like only one can be. So, and to be clear, I'm not accusing one side or the other of ex- having exclusivity over the correct side, because I don't think that's the case. I think that both sides um, continue to to spin things in whatever way they think will, frankly, make them the most money. Um, so, so anyway, I, I don't mean to be off on a tangent about about sensationalism in the news, but I ha- I, I, I struggle to not be because of how ridiculous it is and how awesome PBS is for really going out of their way to try and just present a, a, a news show in the the... <laughs> The traditional sense of the news, which is to provide information uh, and, and to provide some context, but not to become an opinion show, not to become pundits, not to just speculate wildly about what outcomes could or could not be or how people should specifically feel about things. Um, and so I really, 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 really think that everyone should stand up for public media. Um, there's a website called protectmypublicmedia.org. Uh, you can go there and you can sign a petition. You can send an email to your Congress people. You enter your, your address and zip code, and it will give you, um, back what senators and legislators are relevant to, to you. Um, and then you can also, you can also easily make a phone call through the website, um, I'm not advocating that you do any specific one of those things. If you're not comfortable sending an email, then don't. If you're not comfortable making a phone call, then don't. And frankly, if you're not comfortable signing a petition, then don't. I it, I, I, don't think you should do something you're not comfortable with if you've got you know, strong concerns. Um, but I do think that you should also really consider the concern of what if the public media stuff goes away. And maybe you're someone that doesn't watch public media. And that's fine. But... The other thing that public media provides that is something that I think for at least my generation, and I would hope my my parents' generation, since it helped them raise my generation, um, and that's that's Sesame Street. Sesame Street is a a truly wonderful thing that not only really embraces education and literacy, but also promotes good moral values like caring about people that look different than you or that dress different than you or that have more or less money than you do or whatever the case may be. And understanding that all people are just people. Um, I you know, I grew up watching Sesame Street. My grandmother sewed me a life size for me as a four-year-old Big Bird doll. Now, I did go on to destroy that doll, but it, it, it's something that's just very near and dear to me. As an adult, again, like I said, I watch PBS NewsHour. I also listen to NPR on a pretty, pretty regular basis. I think that NPR actually falls into the same lane that PBS does with its news coverage. And I know some people will say, no, NPR is left leaning or, or whatever, but they're really not. In fact, you know, when I was at the height of my. Um, Political interest, I guess we'll call it. I don't know. I <laughs> it's not like I went became an activist at any point or something or went canvassing, but I used to be very consumed with listening to to stuff about politics, and NPR actually got to the point where they got annoying to me because they they took such great lengths to try and represent both positions on on every issue that they can, and to to really give credit to positions that I personally did not find credible at all. But to NPR's credit, <laughs> not to keep using that word, um, there's a lot of people that hold the positions and views that I disagreed with. So whether or not I think it's it's reasonable or rational or whatever, it's out there. And like I've talked about before, uh, you know, the one thing I... I I can say unequivocally that I do not like Donald Trump. I do not want him to be president again. Uh, I hope that he leaves and takes the toxicity that I think that he brought with him. Not that I think he's solely responsible for it, but he certainly has fanned those flames. So I can I can say that, you know, pretty flatly. Um, but the thing that Donald Trump taught me was actually that despite... The toxicity that I associate with him and despite the fact that he himself tells people that disagree with him to leave and to go away and to not be a part of of things, you get in line or get out. Despite that being his philosophy, he actually taught me that you can't fight fire with fire, that you can't fight division and hostility with more division and hostility because what you get is just echo chambers of people everywhere. And I think that services like PBS and NPR really, really go out of their way to help people avoid those echo chambers and to help people avoid getting stuck in those loops where they only can see things one way. And, and there are some things where I don't think people should try and see it another way, or, or at the very least, I don't expect that they would come around to another viewpoint but again, at least understanding that that viewpoint is out there and understanding that the people that hold that viewpoint aren't your enemy, right? And they can be if you make them that, but they don't have to be. We don't have to fight with each other all the time. We don't have to be as divided as as things seem like we are. And I think that NPR and PBS go a long way to to helping combat that. Um. I just yeah i just i felt I, I i was disappointed um to see that yet again this is something that we're having to try and go to bat for um but i, I again i really encourage you protect my i i can't suggest enough and and you know maybe you're someone who's thinking like seriously who watches pbs or seriously who watches you know or listens to npr like i listen to spotify and I'm, i watch whatever cable shows I want to watch and my kids watch the Disney, like we don't watch PBS, like that's great. The other thing is that what the other thing that PBS does is it serves underprivileged people very, very well. People who don't have a lot of resources, people who might not have cable TV. I grew up in a household without cable TV and I grew up in the 90s and in the early 2000s and didn't have cable TV where I grew up, right? So so in my household, PBS was one of five possible stations that I could watch, um, and I got a lot out of it, and and I think a lot of other people do do too. And now some of you might say, well, this is all fine and well, and your little stance of um, of providing something to less fortunate people or providing something that you know you think is for a better good, great. Well, then why don't you just pay for it out of your own pocket? Um, why? Why does the government have to fund it? And I respond to that with, with some facts. Um, facts such as that to fund public media it costs the American taxpayer about a dollar and forty cents a year. Um, and it's, it's incredibly insignificant to the overall budget. If we were to eliminate it from the overall budget, Nothing would change. Nothing is different. That money is not going to be cut from there and reappropriated to somewhere else. And there are significantly larger cuts that could be made. And I'm not going to dive into, again, some deep political philosophy about what I think should be cut and what I think shouldn't and, and whatever. Um, but I can say, I will dive in and say that cutting the public media doesn't make sense it doesn't accomplish anything it doesn't really get us anywhere it doesn't change anyone's life for the better but it potentially really changes and impacts some people in a negative way and the other thing that it it you know the public media does is it serves rural communities really well where they don't have a lot of local media options and so if the, the local media goes away then then they're only left with 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 large corporate media options, and now that's the majority of what people consume. I get it, um, but again, I still think there's just so much value in public media. So again, one final time, I will encourage you as strongly as I can to go to protectmypublicmedia.org, and uh, I personally have done all of the options. But you know, just sign the petition, send an email if you don't want your name to be a, a public petition or something. But Please get involved, please help protect public media, because it really does matter. Been watching this show um, that originally started out on Sci-Fi and then went over to Amazon Prime uh, called The Expanse. Now this is yet another example of a show that's been out for quite some time, although not as long as some of the other shows I've brought up, um, and it is already immensely popular. So I'm probably telling you all about something that you already know about, but that's my mo. That's what we, that's what I do here on the Walk Show. So the um, the Expanse is a a science fiction show about. Um, I don't know. I think I read that it's set place in like the twenty third century. So, you know, uh, a few hundred, couple hundred years out still from from where we're at. But anyway, in in that point in time. Um, there's Earth, and then Mars has been colonized, and then there are people who just live in in space stations. Entire generations of people are born and exist only out in in space stations. And the show is just it. It's just really, really, really good. It um, it's what people <laughs> refer to as hard science fiction, which means that it is based at least generally I, you know, I can't say every single thing that happens, but it's at least generally based on real science. Um, so it's got, it's got cool stuff like, like the people who were born, who live only on, on space stations or even those born on Mars to to some extent, but especially those born on space stations. Um, and not just to be clear, it's not just if they were born there, but you know, raised live, grew up there. Um, they actually have like less bone density and struggle way more with with gravity, at least at the rate that Earth has gravity, because they're just not they're just not built that way. And so their their bones and, and their muscle structures and everything are just a lot weaker because they don't have to support themselves against gravity in the same way that we do. Now, of course, the space stations and stuff that they have have some form of gravity, but it's just not to the extent that it is here. Um, in in the very first episode, in fact, there's a character who's who's from space uh, who gets captured and is being tortured on Earth simply by being made to stand because that in and of itself is so painful for him. Um, I think the show's got a really great cast of characters, uh, interesting characters, a... Uh, a, a pretty good. Uh, there's there's basically four main characters. Now there are additional characters beyond those four that are pretty prevalent, but there's probably four main characters that the show really centers around. And yeah, they're all they're all very very interesting. You've got the the main character James Holden, who's kind of the I guess you'd call him the hero of the show, the the protagonist who kind of finds himself in situations where he doesn't understand why he's there but, yeah, finds himself there. Um, Kind of the 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 hero who doesn't want to be a hero kind of thing. Um, Then you've got the guy who is their pilot, I think Alex is his name, Um, and he's like a a career-long soldier who um, is actually pretty laid back for being a career-long soldier, but um yeah, has a has a family back on Mars where he's actually from, and I don't know, just tries generally to be a a, a good guy um, while, you know, dealing with some of his own insecurities and thing, things of that nature. My favorite character is this one named Amos, who actually doesn't speak a ton. I mean, he does have speaking parts for sure. He is like a career-long Marine. I mean, I don't actually know that he's a Marine, but that's kind of how he acts. Um, and he's he's very, very cool. He's he's very much about business. Uh, he very much resonates with the the part of me that likes Jack Bauer and Kobe Bryant and Rorschach and, and that kind of stuff. Um, he's just he's just unflinching, uncompromising, and uh, yeah, just a really cool character. And then the fourth character is is a character named Naomi. Um, she has kind of a, a a an unknown past that people aren't really all that all that familiar with, and you kind of learn as you go through the seasons of the show. Um, but all of the characters in the end are all compassionate characters that I think are trying to do the right thing, whether they always make the best decision or not. At least it's intended that they they do. You know, their intention is that they're. They're doing the right thing. You know, there's an old cliche that the the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And it's one that I've even cited often. I, I think probably even on this show. And I don't know that that's actually a real a, a, a real statement. Um, the road to hell can be paved with good intentions. Because good intentions do not mean good outcomes. So just because someone intends for something to go well or means for something to go well doesn't mean that it will but i don't think that, that that it's fair to just dismiss good intentions outright um, i think that good intentions matter a lot in a lot of circumstances and there are some circumstances where it doesn't but there are some circumstances where and i think i think a lot of circumstances where the intent of of someone should be considered a lot because if they didn't if they're trying to be helpful they're trying to be compassionate and it works out then great, and if it doesn't work out, at least they were coming from a place of being helpful. Similarly to if someone is trying to hurt people and trying to take advantage of people, even if they succeed, still bad on them, you know what I mean? I still am not interested in them. So, um, I think intentions do matter. I don't think that they're the end-all be-all, and I don't think that all intentions justify all outcomes. Um, but I think that the road to hell is paved with good intentions is a little bit dismissive of what it actually means for someone to really try and align themselves with, you know, with a good cause. Um, so as far as the, the plot of The Expanse, it really it fol- follows the, those four characters that I described. It follows them around, uh, and this is a very vague statement, but on a, a series of adventures. And the reason I say that is just that the plot of the show is probably its strongest quality. And I don't want to spoil any of it for you. Um, it's a really, really cool story. It continues. It's funny that it's called the show is called The Expanse because it, you know, seems to at least refer to the expanse of space, right? This this infinite thing. But the plot definitely is is the expanse as well. It continues to grow. But so like, like Game of Thrones, um, Game of Thrones gives you a feeling that it's constantly expanding like when you first see it you know it's just about the Starks and then you go a little farther and it's just about the kingdoms of Westeros and then you go a little farther and okay well it's about Westeros and these other continents and and how people from there play into what's happening on Westeros and then it's like oh but really it's about the Ice Walker people right and the and the the, it's called it's actually not called Game of Thrones that's just the name of the first book that's what the TV series is called But the actual book series is called The Song of Ice and Fire. Like, ah, ice walker people. Khaleesi rides the dragons, right? There's your fire. There's some fire god. There must be some ice. So we think that we're going to continually expand. Now, the truth is is that it doesn't. Um, It actually pretty much stays within the petty quarrels of the different kingdoms. Well... The Expanse actually does a good job of continually zooming out on this plot. Um, now, it does always have interpersonal stuff going on with the different characters, so I don't mean that it, it gets away from that. But it just does such a cool job of constantly, again, the best way I can describe it is just zooming out a little farther and going, okay, but now here's here's the known world or something. Okay, well, now here it is. Or here's now this, the things that we're considering it's kind of like the show The Wire that I, I believe I've spoken about before, but that's what The Wire does so well, is it, it 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 just zooms out. It starts out showing you just drug dealers and cops, and then kind of zooms out to, well, where are the drugs coming from? And then kind of zooms out to, well, how is government involved in all of that? And then kind of zooms out to, well, how would the the youth be affected by that? How does education play into all of this? and then zooms out how does the media play right and so it just constantly adds more rich complexity um, to these various entities that make up society and and I think that The Expanse does kind of a similar thing where it constantly adds more and more complexity to whatever the, you know the scenarios or the, the circumstances are um, it is definitely science fiction so if, if you know if you're someone that's turned off by by stuff that's, you know, not realistic or uh, whatever. If science fiction is not your thing, then this probably isn't your thing either, despite how cool it is. It's also just got some really cool-looking stuff just on its face, just flat. It's just visually stimulating. It just looks cool. It's got stuff like that throughout it. Um... Really, really recommend The Expand. So it was first three seasons on the Sci-Fi Channel, and then fourth season, which just came out uh, last year, is on Amazon Prime. All four seasons are available for streaming on Amazon Prime, which is where where I've checked it out. Um, I really can't recommend it enough. It's just just so good. Now, I think that something that it shares with The Wire also, a little different because The Wire isn't a book series, but The Wire was written out ahead of time. And The Expanse is also a book series, however, unlike Game of Thrones, in there's only supposed to be six books and five are already out. In Game of Thrones and A Song of Ice and Fire, book one came out in 1996, it's 2020, and the last book, which was five, came out in 2012, and there's supposed to be at least two more books. So as you may recall from my Winter is Coming episode back in, I think, November, um, I do not suggest Game of Thrones as far as the books go. The show is the most popular television show ever made, so I can't really not suggest it, although I can't say I've watched it. Um, But The Expanse is, is, yeah, it's truly excellent. It's truly awesome. Can't recommend it enough. The action is great. The characters are great. The overall plot is great. Uh, I just highly, highly suggest it. Alrighty, folks well that's going to do it for today's show thank you so much for tuning in and thank you Misha Zarens for providing the music as always I also thank you for liking and subscribing to the podcast on whatever platform you listen and also for sharing the episode that you would like uh, with a friend it really goes a long way again thanks for listening stay up have a good week